Welcome to a Southern Sleuth podcast. Hello, fellow sleuths. I am Kathy Briggs. I'm Michael Briggs. Thank y'all so much for listening and for supporting us. I want to tell everyone this episode involves a missing child. It isn't really graphic, but I wanted you guys to know that right away because it might be too much for some listeners. We don't do a lot of cases involving children because when I'm doing the research, it puts me in a dark place. But we will have a few of those and I will always warn everyone that it's going to be about a child or if the case is going to be graphic. So with that, let's talk about the kidnapping of Jessica Gutierrez. This story takes place in Lexington, South Carolina. Lexington is what I would call a medium town. The population today is a little over 20,000. It's 12 miles outside of the South Carolina capital of Columbia. Now, I have never been there that I recall. Michael, I'm not sure if you've I've been there. driven through there on the way to Atlanta. Okay. Well, there stopped at Popeye's and some chicken. No, well, I went to the website of the town. Didn't say anything about Popeye's, but it did say it had some beautiful parks, lakes, golf courses, and that they have an annual snowball festival. So that seems like a typical southern town because we all have our festivals. One of your favorites being the... Damn the ham. <laughs> not the, the ham oh, and ham yam and festival, right. not the damn the ham. Although, that might be fun too. So, little Jessica Gutierrez lived in Lexington in a mobile home with her mother, Deborah, and her three siblings. Her mother called her Jessie and she was born December 3rd, 1981 and was the youngest of the children. I couldn't find a lot of details about her life up until her kidnapping, but she was only four years old, so she didn't have much life to live up until that point. I do know that her mother, Deborah, and her father, David Romero, Gutierrez Ruiz divorced in 1983, and depending on what report you read, her father was out in California or Mexico. I think actually both of those could be true, because the mother, I read an article where she said that he had a green card and was able to travel back and forth from Mexico to the United States. Maybe for work-related purposes. Right, and I don't know if he had any kind of visitation with the children at all, because I in all of my research, I never found anything about him talking to reporters or being there for vigils or anything. So he he basically just left. Right. So June 5th, 1986 was an uneventful spring day for the Gutierrez family. Deborah says they worked in the yard and they ate BLT sandwiches for dinner she said everything was normal. She painted Jessica's nails before bedtime. 
And then Jessica wanted to sleep with her mom because she did that often. But this particular night, her eight-year-old brother, David, had an ear infection and he wasn't feeling well. So Deborah let him sleep with her. And Jess went to sleep around midnight in the double bed that she shared with her six-year-old sister, Becky. And their 10-year-old sister, Kim, was also in the room in her own bed. Right. Okay. The next morning, Deborah goes into the room and she's shocked to find the room in total disarray. There's papers everywhere. I believe she said there were like school papers. The curtains were ripped from one of the windows and she doesn't see Jesse. She says to Becky, where is your sister? And Becky says, she's gone. The man with the magic hat and beard took her last night. Magic hat and beard. Right. Hmm. And Deborah is frantic because she can't see her. Right. And she's only four. So she's pulling back the covers. She's looking in the closet. She's looking under the bed. She runs outside. She's screaming her name. She's looking all over the yard. She's looking under the house. She can't find her. She comes running back in, grabs Becky by the shoulders. Where's your sister? What are you talking about? And she says the same thing. The man with the magic hat and beard took her. Mm. So she calls the police, of course. That sounds very specific. Right. And the police show up and they find a screen is missing from the bedroom window. And there is a fingerprint lifted from the outside of Jessica's window. And the police believe that the person came in through the window and left by the front door because the front door had been locked, but it was unlocked. They think he came in through the window and then unlocked the door and went went out with the child. Right, okay. So they have this fingerprint and they're sending it off waiting to see if they can find a match. Meanwhile, they are interviewing everyone and they're asking Deborah, is there anyone who would have come in here and taken her? And she immediately is thinking about this boyfriend that she had that had lived with her and she had broken up with him and kicked him out. Apparently there was some drug use and she thought it was revenge or something. Right. She thought I didn't read anywhere where he had done anything who, who to does the kids. That, like something like that for revenge. I mean, that's insane. I don't know, but she for some reason thought that he might be the one. She even called him and says, you know, what did you do with my child? And he's like, what are you talking about? Right. What, what child? No what are you, you know? Yeah. And the police did question him more than one time. So apparently they had a little suspicion on him too, but nothing was ever linked to him. Right. He had no idea what was going on. So Right. And they also went and questioned Jessica's father. But he was able to prove that he was nowhere near South Carolina. I believe he was in California at that time. And he was able to provide solid proof that he was not involved. Well, he had been gone for a while. Right. And there was a lot of people questioned, but no one was arrested. Okay. So then the next thing that comes up with this, several weeks have gone by. And this distant relative, he's a relative by marriage to Deborah, the mom. 
he ends up stealing a van in Lexington County, drives to North Carolina, rapes a woman, and Mm -hmm. then is eventually arrested, convicted, and sent to prison. Now, this this guy is Deborah, the mom, is her cousin's husband's nephew. So she had a cousin who was married, and that nep- that husband had a nephew. So what was it? What was his? This guy's? Well, we don't know because we don't know his name, do we? Right. I don't. I have no idea what his name is. So Everything I, I that I've about, read, cannot find a name. I was about to ask: Is he younger or she older? She gave that information, but I've never seen who he is. Right. While he is in prison, Deborah receives a letter. From his cellmate. What? The cellmate says that he confessed to kidnapping a child in Lexington and even told the cellmate that when he did this, he was wearing a tall cowboy hat. Now, he tells her this in the letter, and he also tells the authorities, and he tells the authorities that the guy said he buried the girl in the landfill in Lexington County. So the police go to the landfill. They spend a week going through everything, but they find nothing. So now they, they've ID'd the print at this point. At this point, I guess they have, and it was his print. Right. But they go to, they had gone to question him and he said that he would tell them what he knew if they would give him immunity. So, of course, they would not. So, they have this fingerprint and they have this confession. See. But they don't do anything with it because I guess it's just... He didn't confess to the police. Supposedly, he confessed to this cellmate. Right, and they got they might have their own motives. Right, and then the police tell Deborah, "Well, you had him at your house a few months before she was kidnapped. It'd been almost a year, and that fingerprint could have come from that if it had been on the inside of the house on her window. We could have done something with it, but because it's on the outside." It really isn't enough. But right. she it, said that the FBI, when in the FBI, I guess the files, I'm not sure what she has, but she said they classified the print as highly fresh and not weathered. So she says to her, that's telling her there's no way it could have been there for nearly a year when this man was at her house doing some odd jobs. He fixed an awning, I believe, and maybe built a shed or worked on a shed. Uh-huh. Um, See, what they need to do is like Don Draper in Black Mirror and get in there, is get him to do a mental confession. Get in there and like... Tor- yeah, I'm not sure that that's possible anywhere else except on Black Mirror. Or can you like torture him a little? I mean, somebody like that. Surely a little torture. Well, I'm usually right a, a big fan of civil rights, but in this case, I could yeah. I could turn my head to that. But um, the mom also says that she was able to get into the vehicle this guy was driving around the time that Jessica went missing, and she found fibers 
that linked him to Jessica. I don't know how she got in there, but that's so, what she so said. She, she hunted the car down and probably. Got in but the officials have never confirmed all of that. They say they know everything she said, and they they do say everything has been investigated by the sheriff's office and reviewed by the attorney general's office. But they say there is insufficient evidence to move forward with the prosecution. Well, you know the attorney general changes, right? Yeah, and she's. She's continued to this day trying to get someone to take a, to roll the dice. a different look at this right. case. But, you know, she's hey, still I, also... I have a jury trial. A grand jury, yeah, to or, see... Or, no, I mean, I'm saying, oh, that's after that first. Uh, right. She still thought that maybe her ex-boyfriend had something to do with it, but he claims that he never knew this cousin's husband's nephew and that guy claims he doesn't know him but she says that she definitely knows they met each other at least once at a family gathering so you think they were in it together i don't know she kind of has some suspicions so i really i don't know i guess she would know more about i think she's just just mad at that ex-boyfriend because it didn't work out or whatever probably right well, and, that and, could and, be it. But and you're losing your. I mean, you lost your daughter. Maybe so. he think. Maybe she thinks he gave him some kind of access to the house or told him some way. I don't. I don't know. She God, hasn't really sick. elaborated on that. But she's really upset with the sheriff's office because she said from the get go they were not coming. You know, they were not supportive of her and. She even, I read an article where she was saying that the sheriff had said to her that he would take all his men off the case and they'd all go home and forget about her little girl. What? And this was taped because the sheriff's office was recording her calls. Now, one article I read said that the tape was with a news channel. So I started hunting that down and I actually found an article from this news channel. It's Channel 10. They did have the tape. They did do an article in which they provided a transcript of the tape. Now, I have never heard the tape. I believe that now they're saying the tape is gone. But they did do this article. They He did say that. He said to her, I will pull all of my men off this case. We will oh go home, God. go to bed, and forget about your little girl. Because I that think she was incredible. just, she was probably criticizing the case or the way he was handling I'm it. Sure. But hey. it seems like a very bad thing to say to a mom whose That's child has bad just is an understatement. been missing. Now, that article was That's, from 2007. That's their job to keep cool. Yeah, and the, the reporter. He, you know, the sheriff was like, well, I haven't even heard this tape. And she played it for him. And then he ended the interview. Oh, I bet. But before he did that, he told the reporter that he believes he knows who committed the crime and that he believes they have enough to prove it at a jury trial. But the prosecutor's office does not want to take it to trial. Well, I I got to think with enough pressure they would have to roll the dice and at least see if they can get an indictment right um i would like to think someone's going to hear this and get get an interest in it and raise an interest from she's really hasn't been able to get 
as much interest as I would think there would be in in the case of a missing child. Right. Now, Sheriff James Metz is no longer the sheriff. He was charged in 2014 with taking bribes, wire fraud, and conspiracy. Oh. It had nothing to do with this case. It was totally something different. I mean, he did serve 10 months in prison. It's a typical uh, politician, huh? No. Right. I'm kidding. Well, Deborah states that that wasn't the only thing. She says that the evidence and notes for her daughter's case were proper, improperly stored and ended up getting ruined. So a lot of stuff they did have is now, they don't have the notes, they don't have all that information. She right. said it just got ruined and oh it's just one God. more thing to make her angry. I bet. She said she spent years being angry at the world and being angry at herself and being angry at her daughter. daughter. Yeah. Couldn't understand why she didn't wake up and yell. You know, why didn't she yell when she saw her sister being taken? Angry at herself. But I think she kind of made peace with that. One other strange thing that happened with this case is a, about a year after Jessica went missing, a ch another child was found, and they thought it might possibly be Jesse. They had Deborah fly out, but she said even before she saw the child, she heard her voice, and she knew it wasn't her child. But she, she did see her, and she said, no, there was no way. So I don't know. Whose child that was? I didn't read any more about that, but hopefully, that she, child got somebody. Found her. It was somebody. Somebody yeah. found her. Hopefully, but, you know, Jessica had um, since Jessica's been missing. Deborah struggled with addiction. She's attempted suicide. She's just uh, really been lost. Yeah, that sounds awful. And the sister Becky, she's grown up. She has her own kids. But she says she will never forget the abduction. She can remember it very clearly. She's told the police everything she knows. She does. She did say later that when Jessica was picked up, she knows that he put her over his shoulder and that she never woke up. And he carried her out of the room. Well, that's not unusual for uh, kids to fall out of sleep. Right, they're yeah. used to being picked up and carried right. from the couch to the bed to the bed. You know, right, car inside. Right, and that's the best sleep when you're that little oh, and you man. you fall asleep in the car and you wake up well, in your bed. It's it's uh, just the fact that this guy knew the house, and I don't know what kind of work, you know, putting up a shed and all that, but. It, there's really not much you're going to do that's going to give you a big, clear, crisp handprint on the outside of the window. Right. I'm not sure. It just said fingerprint. Or fingerprints. Anything. I'm just saying. It's not, there's not, unless you're working on that window, you know, there's not much, not much reason to have your. Right. And I've thought about this guy and, and I've the, thought about his magic hat and I've, and, and I've imagined the scenario where he's working there and these little kids are playing and they're trying to talk to him. You know, they're interested in what he's doing and he's probably talking to them and he tells them, you know, maybe they want to wear his hat or they're asking about his hat. And he says, oh, this is my magic hat. Oh, yeah. That's and exactly how it happened. 
Right. And that's how he saw the little girl and how he became infatuated with her and eventually ends up going in there and taking her. Sick. But this guy, he is no longer in jail for the other crime that he committed. He's out. Last time that I I could find any info on him, he was living not far from us in Wake Forest, North Carolina. So Jessica's mom's still convinced he's the one that did it. That took her. She's still trying to get answers. She's still trying to get someone to listen to her. Um, I'm going to put up a link on the website to an interview she did in 2017. And it's very sad. She's on there and she's saying how badly she wants to know what happened to her child before she dies. And she said, I believe that my child is alive and I will believe that until you can show me absolute proof. That she is not. That's the only way she can survive, probably. I mean. Right. She says she knows the statistics say something different. But but that she's not ready to say that she's absolutely gone. I can't fault her for that. But, you know, whoever does something like that, they deserve a special place in hell. Right. And it is just odd how some cases get a ton of attention and some of them just do not i know so i don't know i don't know what the deal was with this one but i had never heard of it until i happened to run into it and the sad thing is but it's it's just sheer volume of cases and there's only so much the news can can tell you know i mean unless people like they're really interested, like you look and dig. Right. It was kind of a big thing in their area, but right. just there. And we're just over. I mean, we're not. Not too far. No. I mean, it's just one state over. And hours. I have no recollection of this happening at all. Right. But if anyone listening does have any information, please call the Lexington County Sheriff's Office at 803 803- Seven eight five eight two three zero, or you can call one eight hundred the lost. Thank you for listening. Please visit our website, a southern sleuth podcast.com. You can leave comments, questions, suggestions. Wherever you're listening to us, please like the podcast or give us a good rating, subscribe. It all helps us continue to grow as podcasters, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much.